Ukulele Tales, the ukulele podcast with John Atkins. Hello and welcome back to Ukulele Tales. It's lovely to be here again. My chance to relax and unwind and share some cool uke stories with you. So thank you very much indeed for coming back week after week to check it out. And thanks again to Carla Brand Music for being my lovely sponsors. You know, I've been on friendly terms with Carla for a long time now, and their support means a lot to me. They've provided me with some terrific ukes over the years, and I do genuinely feel grateful to be associated with them. So, thank you very much, Carla. You guys rock. And, as you probably know, Carla love you guys. So much so that they've set up a special link just for you. If you head to carlabrand.com slash teacher, you'll get 10% off anything at all on their website. Any ukulele, any set of strings, any book, any U-Bass, any capo, any tuner, whatever it is you're after, just visit that special link, carlabrand.com slash teacher, and you'll get that sweet, sweet 10% discount just because you listen to Ukulele Tales. Okay, I hope you guys enjoyed last week's episode. I did have a blast catching up with Anne Reburn at NAMM. If you hadn't heard of her before, at the very least, I hope that episode inspired you to go and check out a few of her songs on Spotify or YouTube, as she is a super talented musical artist with a terrific voice. Now, you know, I keep an eye on the analytics for this show, and I know we're still getting new listeners joining us every week. So if this is your first show, please go back and check out some others from the archive. You know, it's crazy to think I've only been going for something like seven or eight months, but already I have spoken to some unbelievably amazing names in the ukulele world. There's episodes with Bernadette Teaches Music and Tyler from Ten Thumbs Pro, if you like the YouTuber apps. There's chats with James Hill, Jake Shimabakuru, if you want to hear from some genuine bona fide ukulele legends. One of my personal favourite chats was with Brittany Piver, who's a really unique and interesting character, and she was really fun to talk to as well. And there's uh, an unmissable conversation with Victoria Vox, covering pretty much her entire career, and that was an absolute blast to record. And of course, there are chats with Emmy Award-winning musicians. Bagiti Kamalo, who played bass guitar on Paul Simon's classic Graceland album. Yes, even that funky bass solo riff in uh, You Can Call Me Out. That was him. Uh, we've spoken with him, Bagiti Kamalo, and Danny Weinkoff, who also a bass player, actually, who's played bass for They Might Be Giants for the better part of 25 years. So uh, I'm really proud of all of those episodes. And to be honest, even the ones I haven't mentioned are fun, too. I'm just flicking through now. I'm picking some out at random, really. Uh, they're well worth checking out, so have a look through the archives and go and grab an episode or two you haven't heard yet, because I think you will really enjoy them. And this week is no different. I am speaking to a fantastic musician, Kevin Presbury. Kevin is a touring musician who has played both solo and as part of a band for coming up for 20 years now, maybe more than 20 years, with his music appearing on hit TV shows on MTV and VH1. He's toured and even performed with some very big names like the Doobie Brothers and some of the members of Train. But the reason that I invited him onto the show was because he's perhaps best known today, at least to you guys, I would imagine, as the face and hands and body and everything else 
behind the All For Uke ukulele channel on YouTube. It is a great educational channel, and if you haven't ever checked it out, you should really go and have a look right now. But anyway, I was curious about how Kevin got his start in the online ukulele world, especially as he was always more of a guitar player in general. Well, it turns out that after getting his first ukulele, he composed and filmed a little ditty, which he then uploaded to YouTube with a somewhat modest title of the prettiest ukulele song in the world. And the rest was history. You know, took, took it and ran with it. I took this prettiest ukulele song, I made a tutorial for it. I put the tab like in the description and put the chords in there and it was just kind of uh, pretty minimal, um, but it got a lot of traction. And that was kind of the, that was kind of the turning point, I feel like, when I started going, there's probably more to this. Yeah. And then from there, you started teaching. You, yeah, you paid so, more as it. You well, yeah. Yeah. So about, you know, that was probably in 2013, 14, when I put those out. And then I just kind of started making more content. You know, I was watching teachers like yourself. I was watching Ukulele Mike. Oh, um, the late. The late. late Ukulele Mike. Yep. Yeah. I yeah. was watching that. I was, wa you know, I was going to see... Jake Shimabukuro in concert. I met him a couple of times when he came through Illinois. Um, you know, I just started doing a lot more with it and started really studying more YouTube and kind of trying to figure out what people were doing. And, and I, at that point, I was sort of following trends more too. I was like, what's a popular song that's out right now? What is, you know, what is this? So I went that route for a while. Um, and then in 2016, I met my videographer, Brittany, um, at a random, another random chance meeting, I was at a, an Office Max like type store mm -hmm. <laughs> and buying some packaging. And she said, hey, what, what, are you, what are you buying this packaging stuff for? I said, well, I'm shipping out some vinyl records of my release I just did. And she's like, oh, cool. She's like, I shoot music videos. Um, you know, would you ever want to do something like that? Let me know. Here's my card. And I was like, you know, I'm like, I'm not probably going to do a music video, but I'm like, I, I have this teaching thing kind of going and I've always wanted to like really step it up and kind of you know have graphics and really like make it more presentable for education and she was like yeah well let's let's meet up so after that I was like eh, am I really gonna do this you know am I gonna really like you know like we're gonna film in my house you know all this stuff and she I was like so yeah she came over the next week we filmed a tutorial for the prettiest ukulele song we made like a legit thing with some graphics and yeah. stuff like that and I put together a PDF of the actual chords and the song and strumming pattern and, and parked it on a website called allforyuke.com. And it was free. And you could just go. And if you liked what you saw on YouTube, you could go grab the PDF for whatever tutorial it was. I was just doing that stuff kind of in addition to what I was already doing. And that's when things actually, you know, that's when things started taking off a little bit with it. Yeah. So from there, it sort of... Um... I can't think of a good word, transitioned into a business. Yeah. And I, you know, so at that point I kind of, I figured out how to get the monetization. You know, I was just, I had never spent as much time in YouTube, you know, like trying to figure out what was going on. And yeah. my, my sister-in-law had been making YouTube videos for a while. And she, she was like, Kevin, you gotta, you gotta get on this. You like, you gotta monetize. You gotta do better job with your descriptions, titling, all this. Tagging and stuff. Yeah, yeah tagging. Tags, yeah. 
yeah, she's like, just do all this stuff, you know, better and, and you'll get more traction. So I did that and I, and I, you know, and we had good traction, but I feel like when it became a more of an educational platform was when I really started doing more of like series format videos. You know, like I came up with a series called the Kickstart series, which was, you know, a 10 sequence lessons of like how to get started with the ukulele. Because I started thinking, you know, how, what are, what is the common person that's on YouTube doing with their uke in their hand, you know, and, and, and how many people out there, what is their first thing they do when they get their ukulele and bring it home? What are they going to do? They're going to get on YouTube and they're going to start trying to learn stuff. And they might pop around and learn songs or a strumming pattern because that's what I did. You know, I didn't have any formal way of going about it. It was kind of just like, oh, that's cool. That's, what is this, a Spanish strumming pattern? All right, I'll sit and try to learn this. You know, there was a guy named Coveywood, um, too, who was really OG YouTube. I don't even know if his face was on the videos. It was oh, yeah. literally just him showing these cool, like, yeah. little strumming patterns. And I loved it. I would follow him and learn. And... But I wanted to put something together where people could have a progression of learning because I always felt like, you know, bouncing around everywhere kind of just only keeps you bouncing around. Yeah, yeah. I know. I think that's like a mistake that I've made, really. I mean, it worked for me, but like I yeah. totally, to do something more um, progressional, like more linear, I guess, would, would be a good, yeah. is a great idea, I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so I so I started with a kickstart series, and then I developed a seven-day strumming series, a finger-picking series, and I did level two of those. And, you know, so that all really, I started seeing, because I was like, I want to keep people on my channel. Yeah. And that was a way of doing it without doing a contest or, uh, you know, like a challenge or something like that, which I've wanted to do as well. But I But the series format has been pretty successful, so I've kind of just... I found that and I've stuck with it and I've had good feedback from people. So it's kind of now that I have the website and, you know, the subscription base and all this stuff. Now it's like, now I'm really trying to hone in on turning these into courses. You know, this is a intro to ukulele course one. Yeah. And and here's what's going to be covered. Here's all the materials. Here's the PDFs. Here's the practice jam tracks that go with it. And, you know, it's a one-stop shop for like, you can go from beginner to will take you all the way to, you know, somewhat advanced level type playing. Very cool. And do you have uh, like books and things as well? Or it's just all not yet. It's all digital. Yeah. It's all PDF form. That's all stuff that I want to do. But it's like, it's still just me and my videographer. You know, I've, yeah. I've been trying to, you know, kind of find another person to come in that can, you know, <laughs> sort of help me with some of these bigger lifting projects like yeah. that, you yeah. know, because it's like, as you know, with, when you have kids, too, it's like all of a sudden your time gets, the time that you have energy and focus. Significantly less. Significantly, significantly less. less. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. it's like my late, you know, when I'm working at this stuff late at night, I'm like, man, I really just want to go to bed. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You've got, uh, you said two kids, right? Yeah. Uh, under seven? Under... I have a three-year-old, a little over three-year-old and a one-and-a-half-year-old. Oh, okay, right. Okay, so three and one. Wow. Little toddlers that are very close together and very yeah. active. That's hard work. That's hard work. And you're around, right? You're like... Um, I'm there. Yeah. I, and especially, yeah. you know, I've, I've been there. Aside, you know, this is probably one of my only times I've been away on yeah. my own without them. Yeah. Same for me, right? Coming here. And I, I actually felt a bit guilty going. I did too. But I'm like, well, it is for work. and you Exactly. Know, exactly. Yeah. And it's like, ultimately, you know, I want them to see me, you know, going after life too. I don't yeah. want, you know... I know it's great. It's great to be home with them and playing with trucks and watching uh, PJ Masks and oh, all. It's this. the best. It's, <laughs> it's the best. The best. <laughs> yeah. But you need to have both, you know. And I feel like 
I want my kids to see me pursuing what I'm passionate about too, because that's what my dad did. And that's what he always preached to me. You know, it's like, if you love something, figure out a way to make a living at it if you really, really want to do it, you yeah. know, so. What did your dad do? My dad was actually a workers' comp attorney. Oh, okay, right. Yeah. I thought you were going to say like a cool guitar player or no, something. Okay. No, no. I had no, no, that's, that's what's more ironic than anything about me being you know, a ukulele teacher performing musician is nobody in my family played music or even impressed it upon me at any point except my uncle. He was the only one in my family that he played harmonica and he played a little acoustic guitar and that was about it. Yeah. You know, and yeah. that was my only music experience. I was, you know, I had no, nobody around me putting an instrument in my hand as a kid. Yeah. So how old were you when you started the guitar then? 17. 17, right. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So yeah. like a real like sort of college kind of college yeah right kind of before yeah. college yeah. I picked it up like my junior year of high school I tinkered around with it a little bit I had an ovation like really hard to play you know I'm really actually surprised looking back I still have that guitar and I'm like you know but I didn't have the internet at that time either yeah so yeah there was no there wasn't like you know that was a great hobby to have like once I started playing guitar I was like wow this is hours of entertainment yeah you know whereas you know now somebody can pick up and just like you could scroll tiktok for like three and a half hours and, and be like man whoa what happened yeah <laughs> oh I, I totally feel that i feel <laughs> i feel like yeah there's just so many time sucks available now that it's so hard to do anything for any length of time to sort of focus on something it is yeah and i feel like it's sort of you know all of this short form content and what it's doing to our brains is making it harder and harder to sit and focus for a period of time. I mean, I sit down every day. First thing I do usually when I get up is I play piano. Like I get my coffee, I get a, you know, a little energy bar or something. And I sit there and I start running Hannon scales, you yeah. know, because I want to wake my brain up because I used to wake my brain up by laying in bed Grabbing with my phone. phone yeah, yeah. And, and like, I'm checking emails. I might get on social media. I might get on Twitter. And the first 15 minutes of my day, I'm like, why am I already in a bad, like, this day hasn't even started and I'm in a bad mood, you know, yeah. I need to, like, kind of flip it and go all music when I wake up, when I have, you know, when I'm kind of waking my brain up. And I've just noticed how much better rhythm I am in a day when I'm in that space. That's so, if, if I could take one thing away from that, in, from this interview, I think I want to take that away because for sure the first thing I do is grab my phone and I'm like, oh, I just want to see what the time is. And I'm like, oh, I better just check this. I've got a notification from this person. And this guy sent me a text message. <laughs> and, and then, yeah, it's been like, well, you say 15 minutes. I swear for me, it's like three oh, it's, times that. Oh, yeah, so, it can, yeah. It, it, it's gone way over that. And yeah. then I'm sitting there like with my coffee, still on that phone, still on the thread, still on political things, you know, and it's like, and you're going through this emotional roller coaster yeah. in your head. And, you know, it's like, so I've, I've really made a conscious effort not to do it. I just, I like, I get out of bed. I try to put the phone away and just like go right to music and that's and then I kind of I'll go to the emails and stuff when I can sit at my sit at my desk yeah. and just you know fire through that stuff. That's a really cool thing to do. Okay, so what's next for you, Kevin? On the songwriting side of things, I think the next thing is really honing in and focusing on getting two to three tracks out this year with my original music under my name, Kevin Presbury, um, and then on the teaching side of things, we're refacing the All for Uke website and we're building courses um every week you know yeah. we're, we're filming once a week for you know four to six hours and just plowing through courses really getting some you know progressional learning put in place in a course format um actually there's another guy out of the uk um 
who has a teaching platform for piano called Piano Pig. Oh, um, I don't think I've heard of him. And uh, yeah. not a big, uh, you know, big goofy piano guy, and but he's got a great teaching platform where I've kind of, you know, seen where you can track your progress, mm. which I think is a really key component too, because I feel like one of the biggest things I experience as a teacher is people telling me like, I just don't know if I'm getting any better. Like I'm playing every day, but I don't know if I'm like actually progressing. Yeah. You know, and it's like, I feel like I've been through that as a musician too. And it's nice when, you know, like I was on the Piano Pig site, it was like, check, you've done that lesson. You know, like, you're here. So I'm, I'm implementing that for ukulele now on my site. So that's kind of a big, that's a big lift for this year. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great idea to do. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. it's, uh, it's all great though. I mean, I'm, I'm as happy as I've ever been really in, in the musical capacity. I mean, I, I love the stuff I did with, uh, live touring and things like that i'd love to do that again you know I, I think i will yeah but get the band back together yeah and even if even if it's a duo you know i, I have a great drummer that and who's in nashville who was in another band before or he was in a band the last couple of years and we've been back together kind of like hey it's a 10-year anniversary of the record we put out together why don't we uh why don't we revisit some of this stuff and uh and, and kind of go back to work so do you still have like a fan base from those days or yeah something? i yeah. do and I have songs that people specifically, you know, come out to my performances to hear still when I play in the Chicago and Midwestern region. You know, I have people that come out and sing those songs with me every night. So it, cool. that, that, yeah. that's the carrot that keeps me, uh, yeah. keeps the drive there, too. That must feel good. That must feel good. It does. And what about more uh, TV um, stuff? The licensing stuff, I think, is, uh, is something I want to approach again as well. But it's kind of like got to get the got to get the songs great. I feel like it always comes back to you know, do you have a song that connects? Mm -hmm. You know, and that's the hardest part I think to get right. Yeah, you know, that's yeah. what everybody's trying to get right. That's what producers and everybody's trying to find that magic connecting point. And I've and I've done it. I've I've had songs that really did, and um, now it's just kind of trying to trying to do it again with with this new version of myself with these new tools and yeah. But I bet that the ones that you wrote that did connect weren't ones that you specifically wrote trying to no. connect. No. Whereas I feel like a lot of people approach it as almost like a scientific yes. project. You know, right. How the can I appeal chorus. to most people with this and this? Yep. And how can I get the hook in as quick yeah. as possible? Right. Yeah. And I feel like sometimes I wish I didn't know as much as I know now when yeah. I was very innocent and I just wrote because it was what I was feeling at the time when I was sitting on that you know, bench and sat there and wrote that song. And it just, it was about a heartbreak or it was about an experience and it was a universal truth that somebody else connected with, you know, and now I've been to songwriting workshops. I've worked with producers. I, I have all this information, Yeah, yeah. you know, and sometimes that, that can uh, be a burden, you know, when yeah. you're just like, you can overthink it and, yeah. and, and not just the innocent approach anymore. So hmm. trying to find that balance though. Cool. Okay. Well, I guess we should probably, let me just check this time. Yeah, I guess we should probably wrap it up, but thank you so much for spending so much oh, time man. with me. It's been I amazing. I really appreciate it. And, and, you know, and I got to say, you, you've been an inspiration to me, um, you know, as a teacher as well, going from where I was and, and watching what you were doing and seeing people like yourself and Mike Lynch, you know, just like really promoting the uke and getting lots of people and you know impressed upon it i think you know you guys are some of the people that are the reason why you know there's a bunch of ukuleles here at nam and uh there's tons of more a lot more influencer types on the ukulele front and teachers and just people playing in general so you know it's it's that kind of uh thing where 
Maybe you're not thinking about that when you're just sitting on camera. Yeah, talking to your phone. Talking to your yeah, phone or making a video, yeah. but you know, like when somebody walks up to you at the show and, oh my God, I feel like I've known you for two years. It's really cool. Yeah, you can't <laughs> beat it. It's really cool. You know? yeah, yeah, it's like, yeah. it's wild. It's wild. Yeah. So. so just and just last question though is how can people um, follow you? How how do they stay in touch with you? All for Uke, A L L F O R U K E is on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, um, and then Kevin Presbury, which a lot of people butcher my last name. But oh, it'll be in the show. But notes. it'll be you on the show. So, yeah. So yeah, yeah. So but um, that's where you can find my original music um, on Spotify and all of the platforms there too. Yeah, it's, and it's great stuff, by the way. It's great well, stuff. Thank you. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah. Just one thing as well, just for my own edification. You said you recorded an album earlier with um, someone else, and I've forgotten who you... Ryan, the, in, in Seattle? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Ryan Hadlock's his name. What, and what was that name under, the album name under? Uh, Dust Under Dust was that was that album. It's okay. Called, yeah, that was the 2013 release. Um, it's kind of like the black and white album cover. That oh, was right, e- okay. E- but that's on Apple Music. Can I find that? Or? Yep. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's on there. Yeah, I actually played a couple of those songs yesterday. I, I played a song that I wrote for my dad called Always With Me. Um, and that was kind of the big inspiration behind that record was when he passed away in 2012. That changed kind of my musical, you know, my writing definitely went down a different avenue. Yeah, I bet. I bet. So, cool. yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, Kevin, thank you so much. Yeah, man. Thank you so much. I appreciate you having me on, and I look forward to hearing this stuff. Yeah. Thank you very much. Cool. (laughs) Okay. So, ooh, you might have heard just a tinge of nervousness in my voice at the end of that interview when Kevin said he was looking forward to hearing the interview. I think I better explain. You see, when I do these interviews, I have a little portable recorder that I tape them on. And normally what I do is I clip a little mic onto the guest and I have them start talking. And then I put my headphones on and adjust the levels and just kind of naturally ease into the conversation without people really even knowing that we've started sometimes. Now, this is a great technique when it works as the guests can be kind of unguarded. They don't get nervous. And it's just that little bit more casual and informal The only trouble with not saying to my guest, okay, I'm going to press record now, is uh, what happens if I accidentally forget to press record? Well, unfortunately, this is exactly what happened with me and Kevin, and I could kick myself for it. You know, Kevin was such a great interview guest, easy to talk to. Lots of great stories and really just a fun guy to be hanging around with. Now, I was really enjoying the chat we were having. Uh, We were sat in the warm California sun. The birds were singing in the sky. And I remember literally thinking to myself, I am absolutely killing this interview. Kevin is coming out with story after story. I'm asking great questions. And in my headphones, I'm even thinking, this even sounds great too. Good job, John. You are doing fantastic. And then after about 30 minutes of fantastic, great conversation, I looked down at my recorder and yes, I had forgotten to press record. In fact, I think what had actually happened was that I had pressed record, but I pressed it twice as there's just a tiny five second audio file of me saying something like, that sounds great. Okay, I'm just going to press Rick. And then nothing. So either way, I looked down at my recorder for a quick time check. 
and to make sure there was still plenty of battery left. And the warm, comforting glow of that red recording light was nowhere to be seen. Well, as you can imagine, the blood drained from my face. I wasn't quite sure what to do. We had already been talking for over 30 minutes and we'd covered so much ground. I couldn't possibly say to Kevin, Oh, hey, excuse me, would you mind if we just start that again? I appear to have forgotten to press record. Ever so sorry about that. So I had a bit of a decision to make. And very sneakily, what I did was, quietly and without saying a single word to Kevin, I just pressed record there and then. And I hoped against hope that we'd still be talking for long enough to salvage something usable for an episode. And to be fair, I think we did. So, sadly, there's nothing about his introduction to the world of music or the bands he came up with, sharing the stage with the Doobie Brothers, having his music played on those hit TV shows on MTV, or being in a successful touring band in the early 2000s. But instead, what we do have is about 15 or 16 minutes of some great quality chat around his YouTube channel, his approach to teaching the ukulele, which, to be fair, is perhaps what is most important for a ukulele podcast. I don't know, perhaps that's not cool to say. Either way, my sincere, genuine apologies once again to Kevin, who was so very generous with his time and stories, and who I thought I'd really hit it off with. And I'm sorry to you guys too for the mess up in losing a very large chunk of that interview. I promise from now on to double and triple check in the future that everything is recording as it should be, no matter how interesting a guest's sound check Maybe. As you know, I feel incredibly lucky to be able to do this podcast, and I'm beyond grateful to you guys for allowing it to happen by listening to it each week. So thank you. But honestly, if you had asked me just a few days ago, I'd have probably said to you there would be no podcast this week. You see, I woke up last Thursday or Friday almost completely unable to speak. I'm not sure why, but I just had an incredibly sore throat and nothing seemed to be able to shake it. Now, on top of that, I've recently started running again a couple of weeks ago. Nothing serious, just a sort of couch to 5k-like program to get me started going again. And, well, I guess I hadn't been doing my stretches probably or something because, uh, as well as being more or less unable to speak, my back just completely seized up and I was in so much pain I couldn't lie down for any length of time at all. In fact, I was waking up in agony several times a night every time I rolled over. So it's not been a fun week for me, what with the sore throat, the bad back and losing three quarters of this interview but thankfully my voice seems to have more or less returned now and my back, while not quite at 100%, is certainly a lot less painful than it was a few days ago. So hopefully I'll be able to get back out there and start running again, uh, hopefully by this time next week. And by then, I'll also be back with another completed interview for you to enjoy. Remember, in the meantime, if you do want to send me a message, please go ahead and email uketeacher at grabyouryuke.com to let me know your thoughts on the episode as I love to hear from you all and I do read and reply to every single message that I get eventually 
You know, I'm particularly interested in any guest ideas you may have. So if there's someone you're itching for me to speak to, do let me know. Now don't forget, if you'd like to help support the podcast, you can always sign up to my Patreon page, patreon.com slash uteacher, just to throw a few dollars my way. And of course, you'll also get a little bit of bonus content on there as well. And it'll help ensure that I can carry on putting out this podcast for you. And of course, remember, just by spreading the word as well about ukulele tales to your ukulele communities, your uke-loving friends and family, well, that really helps me out as well. Uh, a big thank you once again to Carla for sponsoring this podcast. Remember, you can get a cool 10% off anything on their website just by visiting my special link, carlabrand.com forward slash teacher. And I do mean anything. They have some great banjolelis on there, I think, uh, that I've had my eye on after speaking with Phil Dolman a couple of weeks ago. So I might be checking that out soon. Um, anyway, I'll be back, same Uke time, same Uke channel, next Wednesday, with another great interview for you. And it will be available in all the usual podcasty places, as always. So make sure you're subscribed. Okay, until next time, I love you all, and I wish you the best.